You are listening to the Journal of Rheumatology's Editor's Picks with Dr. Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief. Hello again, this is Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Rheumatology, welcoming you to the November 2021 edition of Editor's Picks. I want to thank you for having taken the time to listen to this podcast. This month, we will begin with a paper entitled, Higher Serum Urate Levels Are Associated with an Increased Risk of Sudden Cardiac Death. Overview of this paper will be given by Drs. Lissandro Colantonio, Ken Sag, and Ryan Irvin. On behalf of their colleagues from the University of Alabama, at Birmingham, Birmingham, USA, University of Otago, Dunedin, New Zealand, Larner College of Medicine at the University of Vermont, uh, Burlington, USA, Wake Forest School of Medicine, Winston-Salem, USA, and the Wheel Cornell Medical College, New York, USA. So could you please summarize the findings of your study? Yeah, sure. Um, so our analysis was restricted to participants without a history of coronary heart disease or CHD at baseline. And what we found was that uh, higher levels of serum urate were associated with an increased risk for sudden cardiac death during follow-up. So coronary heart disease is a common cause of sudden cardiac death, but nobody in our study has coronary heart disease at baseline. And also we found no association between serum urate levels and the incidence of coronary heart disease during follow-up. That may suggest suggest that the association between serum urate and sudden cardiac death may be independent of the development of coronary atherosclerosis. So there is no need for the presence of coronary atherosclerosis for serum urate increase the risk for sudden cardiac death. I hope you enjoyed listening to doctors Colantonio, Sag, and Irvin highlighting their paper on higher serum uric acid urate levels are associated with an increased risk for sudden cardiac death, and that you will listen to the complete interview on our website, and that you will also read the full-length article as well as the accompanying editorial entitled Serum Uric Acid, a Murderer or Bystander for Cardiac-Related Mortality by Dr. Chen Wei Lu from the National Defense Medical Center, Taipei, Taiwan. These are both available at our website at www.jroom.org. I would now like to move on to highlight an article entitled Similarity of Response to Biologics Between Elderly Onset RA Patients, EORA, and Non-EORA Elderly Patients from the First Registry by Ochi and colleagues. The aim of this study was to determine the efficacy and safety of biologic or conventional synthetic DMARDs in patients with elderly onset RA, defined as onset greater than 60 years old, as compared to patients with younger onset RA. In total, 1,040 patients with EORA were compared to 710 patients with younger onset RA. 
the proportion of patients with low disease activity or high disease activity were comparable between the groups after two, 22, and 54 weeks of follow-up. A similar proportion of patients discontinued the trial after 54 weeks. When they examined safety, there were no significant differences in the proportion of patients that stopped treatment for either infection or another serious adverse reaction between the two groups. Please read this article for a more granular look at the data and to see if the patients entered in this study are compared to patients in your practice. The next article to highlight is entitled Effects of Denosumab in Japanese Patients with Rheumatoid Arthritis Treated with Conventional Anti-Rheumatic Drugs. 36-month extension of a phase 3 study and is by Tanaka and colleagues. Denosumab works by inhibiting rank ligand and thereby inhibiting both local and systemic bone destruction. The aim of this study was to determine the long-term safety and effect efficacy of denosumab in patients with RA. It is an extension phase of the original desirable study. In that study, patients receive denosumab either every three or every six months or placebo in a double-blind fashion. In the extension phase, all patients received active medication either every three or six months. Efficacy was assessed by the Van der Heide modified total sharp score, the bone erosion score, and the joint space narrowing score. 88% of the 667 patients entered the extension phase, and 80% completed this phase. The main reason for dropout were AEs in 15 patients, consent withdrawal, and invasive dental procedures in 14 each. And only three patients dropped out because of disease progression. Adverse events leading to study discontinuation for both dosing schedules were similar. There were three deaths, of, of which only one was attributable to denosumab. This patient had died of interstitial pneumonia. The authors found that the three-monthly dosing was the optimal dosing schedule for change in the modified SHARP score and the bone erosion score, but there was no difference in, uh, in effect on the joint space narrowing score. Bone mineral density consistently increased in all groups after denosumab initiation, regardless of the concomitant glucocorticoid administration. Similar changes in the DAS28 CRP and HAC-DI scores were observed across the groups. Next article to highlight is entitled Measuring Physical Function in Psoriatic Arthritis, Comparing the Multidimensional Health Assessment Questionnaire to the Health Assessment Questionnaire Disability Index and is by Yi and colleagues. As there is more than one scale to measure physical function in patients with psoriatic arthritis, 
The aim of this study was to compare the physical function skills of the multidimensional health assessment questionnaire, or the MDHAC, to the health assessment questionnaire disability index, or the HAC-DI, in patients with psoriatic arthritis. And secondly, to determine if either questionnaire was less susceptible to floor effects. Data was available from 209 patients with psoriatic arthritis from three UK hospitals. These patients completed both questionnaires, as well as the 12-item PSA impact disease questionnaire. The latter is a validated patient acceptable symptom state measure. 60% of patients were male with a mean age of 51.7 years and a median disease duration of seven years. The median HACDI score was consistently higher than the MDHAC, but there was generally good agreement between the scores. There were statistically significant correlations between the 12-item PSA impact questionnaire and both the MDHAC and the HACDI. Overall, the multidimensional health assessment questionnaire, MDHAC, was less susceptible to floor effects for the individual questions of physical function than the HACDI, the health assessment questionnaire daily disability index, although both the total score for both measures performed similarly in detecting floor effects. Please read this article to determine which measure of physical function may be the best and or easiest to use in everyday practice to measure physical function in patients with PSA. The final article to highlight is entitled Changes in Treatments and Outcomes After Implementation of a National University Access Program for Juvenile Idiopathic Arthritis and is by Konka and colleagues. This article is accompanied by an editorial by doctors Roberta Berard and Michelle Batiche from University of Western Ontario, London, Canada, and McMaster University. Hamilton, Canada, and is entitled Addressing Healthcare Quality in Juvenile Idiopathic Arthritis with a Universal Access Program. The diagnosis and treatment of JIA may be limited by access to quality health care, and one limiting factor may be the cost of care. In 20 10 in Chile, JIA was added to a program to improve health care by guaranteeing universal diagnostic and therapeutic access for different high burden health problems and is referred to as the GES program. Prior to this, health care for JIA was delivered by a combination of public insurance, private insurance, or armed forces insurance. Following universal healthcare access, time to evaluation by a pediatric rheumatologist and diagnostic de delay were significantly reduced from 
15 plus or minus 4.5 years initially to 9.0 plus or minus 4.2 years after implementation. There was a higher remission rate and lower rate of complications secondary to uveitis after initiation. This latter fact may partly be due to the fact that prior to universal access, none of the 67 patients diagnosed before 2010 with continued follow-up had been treated with biologic, but after 2010, 34% received a biologic. Please read this article in the company editorial to get a better understanding how universal access to healthcare significantly improved outcome in JA and the lessons that can be learned by the Chilean experience. The editorialists quote from a 2015 report about the benefits of the implementation of the GES program in Chile. This month, our image in rheumatology is entitled A Case of Joe Blaine's Post-SARS-CoV-2 Vaccination. A 33-year-old woman was evaluated in the hospital for a new onset of painful blue and purple nodules on the tips of three fingers and two toes seven days after receiving the Moderna SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. Investigations showed that she had normal inflammatory markers and autoimmune serology. A skin biopsy showed superficial and mid-dermal perivascular cuffed lymphocyte infiltrate with a mild superficial dermal edema. There was no evidence of vasculitis or vasculopathy. The patient's fingers healed with corticosteroid usage. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and encourage you to read not only the highlighted articles, but all articles in the November 2021 edition of the Journal of Rheumatology, either in the print edition or the online edition, which is available at www.jroom.org. And please watch all my interviews with the senior author, of selected COVID articles and of my highlight articles, which are available for viewing at our website and on YouTube. If you have any questions or comments on these highlighted articles or any article in the Journal of Rheumatology, please send your comments and questions to manu manuscripts at jroom.com. Please listen to next month to the December Editor's Highlights. And please stay healthy.